I'm Clayton Conway with Raptor S. Charlays in Canton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we look ahead to the next Congress. Just how many members of the Texas congressional delegation will be on the House Agriculture Committee next year? We'll take a closer look at that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For farmers, anything that helps improve efficiency can save them time and money. That's the basic principle behind what is known as chemigation. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A report on the freezing Arctic temperatures that covered the South Plains of West Texas and how ranchers took care of their livestock. I'm Tom Nicolotti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. It took a while for cold weather to get to Texas, but boy, did it get here. This is John Begnell. We're going to talk a little bit about dealing with cold weather and plants in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. For most of the past two years, Texas has only had one congressman sitting on the House Agriculture Committee. That's Congressman Mike Cloud of Corpus Christi. Now, for a few months this year, Myra Flores from South Texas was on the committee as well. But for the most part, Congressman Cloud has been it for Texas. So how many will we have in the next Congress? Cloud says he plans to be back. That's my intent. What I've been asked, I want to stay right where I'm at, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm on the Ag Committee. I understand how important Ag is to Texas and how important Texas Ag is to the nation and to the world. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've put a lot of work into being prepped for this, this year. So when, when asked, hey, what do you want to do next year? I want to keep doing what I'm doing. In addition to the Ag Committee, Cloud also serves on the Oversight Committee. And one of the reasons I bring up oversight is a lot of the issues that affect our Ag community, like the border like our energy policy, those kind of things we'll really be digging into some ag community priorities. Earlier this year, Texas Panhandle Congressman Ronnie Jackson told us he intends to seek a seat on the Agriculture Committee as well. And we've heard talk of possibly a third member of the Texas delegation getting a seat. So it looks like we will have much more representation on the committee in the next Congress as they write the 2023 Farm Bill. The 2022 drought will have lingering effects on cattle health. Dr. John Davidson is with Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health. He's based in Shiner, Texas, so he experienced the Texas drought firsthand. And he says it took a toll on the immune systems of cattle. The, the western United States has been an extreme drought. So when you have uh, trace mineral deficiencies, vitamin deficiencies, the, the ability of that animal to respond to vaccination is reduced. 
when we do have disease outbreak and we put an antibiotic in that animal, the antibiotic's job is to slow that infection down until that animal's own immune system can take over. Well, in the drought-stressed animal, the, the, the immune system is not functioning as well, so the vaccines don't appear to work as well. The antibiotics that we use don't appear to work as well. And we're, we're seeing a fair amount of that across the whole Western United States as we did uh, 12, 13 years ago in the last major drought to come through Texas and so on. And in that situation, Davidson says cattle producers should detect disease as early as possible. So don't, don't let a, a calf or two start breaking before you decide, hey, I think I need to start pulling and treating and just, just really elevating the, the surveillance and observation. Dr. John Davidson with Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health. Improving efficiency can save farmers time and money. James Hunt looks at a concept that can do just that. Chemigation is what farmers are doing when they use their irrigation system to apply chemicals like fertilizers and pesticides to a field. At the recent Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show, I got a short tutorial on chemigation from Dr. Dana Porter of Texas A&M AgriLife. Let's talk about the benefits of chemigation. Uh, I've been told that it can even help farmers save money, but I'm sure if that is one benefit, there are probably some more. Saving money because I don't have to have a ground rig or an aerial application, so I can save that. Um, some other applications, maybe I need some herbicide application and it's too muddy to get in the field, so I might be able to use my center pivot system to get around what I couldn't get in with a ground rig. Um, timeliness, again, incorporating the chemicals, the fertilizers with the water. When you apply it with the water, it's already incorporated. For anything that offers benefits, uh, you can be happy with the fact that you're getting some pluses, but I'm sure there are some things to keep in mind on the being safe and being more effective side. Oh, absolutely. Of course, you have to follow the pesticide label always. And you want to make sure that you properly flush your system after any application because I don't want to form precipitates or have corrosion issues with my irrigation system. I have to be careful about chemical compatibility. So if you want to start chemigating, what do you need to have maybe that a farmer who's not been doing that doesn't already have? Well, he'll need chemical tanks, something to mix it in, a pump, chemigation check valves to prevent any kind of uh, potential for groundwater contamination. But those are fairly commercially available systems. Once again, that was Dr. Dana Porter, an agricultural engineer with Texas A&M AgriLife. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Southern Plains has dealt with some very cold temperatures as we wrap up the year. Tom Nicoletti has the story. We go to West Texas now, and Eddie Griffiths is standing by in a very cold, windy area of the state, at least when we're doing this interview. And uh, Eddie, the late December cold temperatures, freezing temperatures, and high winds sure uh, took a toll on the agriculture up there. Well, whenever we talk about those cold temperatures and the Arctic air coming in, Tom, it's just a matter of taking care of livestock and the two main things, feeding and water supply. And uh, during the, the holiday season, you know, that, that takes priority and it's important to get something out there for those animals to eat and then have water available for them. And whenever we start seeing temperatures get 10, 11 degrees or even colder with wind chills of, of 8 degrees, you know, you've got to try to do everything you can to protect and, and maintain the livestock that you have out there. Now, during that Christmas uh, weekend Arctic blast, uh, certainly you also have to uh, maintain uh, the water supplies, like you say, and, uh, and hope that they don't uh, freeze on you within hours of uh, trying to keep that water flowing. 
Well, producers do a really good job of generally getting out there and trying to alleviate problems. And if there are problems out there, especially with water supply, having an alternative measure or method to get out there and and take care of that livestock. But it's always a challenge. You think you have everything taken care of and and you're prepared for it, but inevitably something will slip through the cracks and uh, you just deal with it. Well, certainly uh, livestock are adaptable to the environment and and cold temperatures, but uh, when uh, these frigid winds came in uh, from that Arctic blast, they need to take even more uh, shelter so that they can keep from being buffeted by those winds. Well, you're not going to alleviate all the cold temperature, but the main thing, you know, with the winds here, if you can keep that wind off of them somewhat, where they can get behind a windbreak, huddle together, and maintain some type of temperature, you know, as, as far as weight gain, you're probably going to seem minimal, but at this point, you're just trying to keep everything alive. Eddie, thanks a lot. Thank you, Tom. That is Eddie Griffiths. He is reporting for us today from West Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cold weather also took a toll on landscaping across Texas. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has more. Well, when the cold got here, it got here. And, you know, a lot of questions are coming in about, did I prepare right for my plants? What would I do next time? What's the effect on these plants going to be? And just a little bit, well, first of all, water is very important on the hardiness of plants. And if you look at the drought monitor, Recently, Texas has really improved statewide, but there are some places that are on the dry side. And research shows that plants that are hydrated usually withstand cold injury better than those that are on the dry side. So we like to water before cold fronts come in to keep them hydrated. The exception to the rule is palm trees. Most researchers agree that palms on the dry side are probably a little more cold hardy. The question about frost cloth, frost cloth is used Uh, Usually in a marginal situation, if you're in a part of Texas that got really cold or still really cold, frost cloth can be kind of marginal. It won't hurt, but it may not help if the longevity of cold, for instance, many hours below freezing, and the plants are really on the margin or the edge of of hardiness in your zone. If it is a hardy plant that might have been just transplanted, chances are it's going to be okay, but We really won't know the results of cold injury or exposure to cold temperatures these plants have, what the damage will be for a long time. It's at least going to be spring on many of these plants, and then sometimes it's going to be in midsummer when it gets really hot. So don't fret about that. We hear about root hardiness. Certain plants can always die down to the ground. We saw this two years ago when ash trees were severely affected, and then they came out and bushed out on the trunk, and they really weren't worth keeping as trees, but they didn't die. So we'll have to make that decision as to whether these plants are going to be worth keeping next spring. So don't lose any sleep over that. And again, it's not just how low it is, it's how long it stays low. And there's not anything we can do about it, but get prepared. Make sure your plants are well watered before the next freeze. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Bigno. If you're looking to start the new year off on the right foot, you may want to consider visiting a Texas state park. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And Texas A&M has some educational programs on horse breeding. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. 
We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M has some educational programs on horse breeding, but Dr. Bob Judd says there is a waiting list. The Extension Horse Specialists offer a live program annually for reproductive management, but there is a waiting list to attend one of these courses. Because of this, Dr. Chelsea Huseman and Dr. Jennifer Zoller have developed an online program for equine reproductive management. The course on campus in College Station is a three-day course and includes classroom sessions in anatomy and physiology, control of the estrus cycle, gestation and foaling, and feeding the broodmare and young horses. Hands-on labs include semen collection and evaluation, estrus detection, artificial insemination, and foaling management. The in-person course is limited to 12 people, so this is why the online course was developed. The online course includes stallion management, mare reproductive management, pregnancy checks, and artificial lighting. The online course is just $300 compared to the in-person course that is $700. There is also a mare and foal workshop offered online for an additional $75. This course concentrates on the foaling process, postpartum placental evaluation, and proper nutrition. A vaccination program for foals and mares is also included. Then they are developing an online course on training a stallion for semen collection. For more information, Drs. Huseman and Zoller can be reached at chelsea.huseman at tamu.edu. And this is chelsea at chelsie dot h-u-s-e-m-a-n. And Dr. Zoller can be reached at jenniferzoller at tamu.edu. And that's j-e-n-n-i-f-e-r dot z-o-l-l-e-r. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Visiting a Texas state park could be a good way to start the new year. Jessica Domel takes a look at first day hikes in today's wildlife report. If you're hoping to start the new year off on the right foot, you may want to consider visiting a Texas state park January 1st for a first day hike. Stephanie Garcia, spokesperson for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, has more. It's really just a national initiative to get people outside on New Year's Day. We really set up a whole bunch of either ranger-guided activities, and it's not just limited to walks in the parks. It's also bike rides and paddling trips, even polar plunges, and it's all aimed at getting people outdoors. In addition to marking the start of the new year, first day hikes also mark another milestone. First day hikes are going to be the first push into our 100th birthday. So we're going to be having a lot of things rolling out throughout 2023 for our 100 year celebration. And this is just the first way we're kicking off the party. There are a variety of first day hike activities at Texas State Parks. You can find one near you on the TPWD website. Click on the link that says calendar and then find the tab that says first day hikes. Across the state, we have a bunch of different things. So out on the coast, we have paddling trails, and that counts as a hike. Even though it's not boots on the ground, it still counts because you're still tracking miles. Also, at 
parks like Goliad. You can walk through and see the timeline of the mission that's there. It's like a 1.5 mile loop and see a lot of things on that nature trail along with mission grounds. So there really is something for everything. So if you're a bird watcher or if you're looking into something with more history or just want to enjoy the nice weather that we will hopefully have this year, you can go to a Texas State Park and take part of any of these events. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a mixed day of trading in the agricultural markets on Tuesday. Live cattle closed mixed, feeder cattle lower, while the grain markets were higher. We'll check out all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed trade in live cattle futures on Tuesday. That's how we closed it out. December live cattle down 7, 156.82. February up 12, 157.87. April live cattle finishing steady at 161.82. Feeder cattle, however, headed lower in Tuesday's trade. January feeders down 90 cents. 183.10. March feeder cattle down $1.35, 185.40, with April down $1.12, 189.12. Cash fed cattle market quiet to kick off the week on Tuesday after the Monday holiday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle as high as 156 here in Texas. That is a dollar higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices took another huge jump higher Tuesday. Choice was up 715. 279.10, while Select was up 382 at 249.29. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Henry Pickett sold cattle last week. He won't sell them this week because of the Christmas and New Year's Day holidays. So, Henry, tell us how that sale went. Oh, it ended up pretty good considering all the moisture we had in the area, which we were needing it very badly. We ended up with around 700 total cattle with 145 cows. The market was really strong for the last sale at the end of the year. Those uh, 350 to 400 weight steers bring upwards to 240. The heifer mates bring 2 to 210. We had some 650, 7 weight yearlings bring above 75. I mean, it was pretty good for the end of the year. Good, good. Did you see market advancement against the other sale that you had on Monday? Uh, maybe on the light cattle just a little bit, but it's been pretty good all week. Yeah, that's kind of the way it looked. I thought I heard 10 or 12 cents maybe there. Uh, yeah. The cow side of it, did we talk about that at all yet? Oh, uh, the cow side, it was probably steady to a little cheaper. I think they've been getting quite a bit of inventory, and they didn't really, really want them. Right. But 
it was steady and they they took them all we didn't have any problem getting them moved good now that was our last sale correct that was our last sale and we had a few really nice pears and bread cows and they were upwards the pears were upwards 15 1550 and good. bread cows 13 1400 i mean it was crazy good so. did, did they stay local oh uh, yes good good well tell everybody how to get a hold of you henry pickett all right yesterday was our last sale we'll return on january 3rd we can be reached at the cell barn at 325-673-7865 and if you need anything we'll receive cattle all through the holidays or whatever we need and my cell number is 940-733-8208 all right we'll rattle your chain between now and then just to see what's going on thank you henry pickett thank you neighbor that's our livestock auction market report we'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens i'm larry marble for texas ag today Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a jump higher on Tuesday. February hogs up 365 to close at 91.47. April hogs up $1.7, 96.45. Class 3 milk was steady to higher. The December unchanged at 20, 53, 100 weight. January milk up 38 cents, 1984, 100. Not a whole lot of news in the cotton market. However, we did close lower on news that China's COVID-19 infections continue to swell higher. At this point, it's estimated that China has over 1 million new infections, along with 5,000 deaths per day. We close with March cotton down 97 points, 84.24. May cotton down 105 at 84.13, while new crop December cotton down 131 points, 81.21 cents. The corn market closed higher and ongoing concerns over the Argentine corn crop. Apparently, they are having some issues not getting enough rain on the corn crop in South America. March corn up eight and a half on that news at 674 and three quarters. New crop September corn up six, 622 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat continues to move higher as we get the fallout from last week's freeze. Traders concerned over how much, if any, winter kill we may have had from last week's storm. March, Kansas City wheat up four and a half, 879 and a quarter. New crop July up two at 864 a bushel. Soft wheat finished slightly lower. March, Chicago wheat down one and a half, 774 and a half. July down two at 784 and a quarter. In the energy markets, January natural gas was up nine cents at 517. February, West Texas crude down four cents, 79.52 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 79 points at 33,283. The Nasdaq down 117 at 10,380. The S&P down eight, 3,836. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.